0: Hi, everybody. And this particular talk will be about equanimity. Um, it's a subject that I think is important to people interested in mindfulness and meditation. Basically, it's questioning, you know, what is equanimity and how to bring equanimity and peace into our Lives through mindfulness, equanimity. So, the structure of uh, this talk will be as follows I'll talk a little bit about well, what is equanimity and uh, how we can be calm in the storm and how to be at peace with ourselves and others. And then we have levels of equanimity, uh, talking about the content and process of experience. And how the, <clears throat> you should uh, come to know the knower, in a sense, to know yourself better, mindfully. Then we'll get into a little bit about the enemies of equanimity. Those things that divert us or distract us from equanimity and peace. And then we'll finally end up with a discussion of dimensions of equanimity. What the four dimensions of equi- equanimity are. So let's, uh, you know, do, do a little definition of terms and discuss, uh, you know, what is equanimity? And this is coming from um, my teachers, Tara Brock and Jack Cornfield, As they discuss and talk about what is equanimity to their students, uh, I'll try to convey that from my own perspective. Basically, what I got out of it was Equanimity is uh, really a way to find peace in the world by finding peace within ourselves. So according to the Buddha, there is no higher happiness than peace. And as human beings, we embrace both joy and sorrow. And also as human beings, we tend to be in conflict quite a bit. So we are invited with equanimity and mindfulness, mindfully considering equanimity to end the war with ourselves and with others, or at least head in that direction. So you know, by doing that with mindfulness, we can you know, move toward, you might say, a state of equilibrium, balance, and equanimity. What strikes me about equanimity is that, to me, it's reflected in nature quite beautifully. Um, there's a couple of concepts here, a couple of, you know, these are, these are really based in science. The idea of homeostasis, which comes from the Greek words same and steady. And it's a, it's a process by which things in, in, uh, in the world maintain their stability, maintain their balance, maintain, you might say, their equanimity. And really, it's a matter of survival. So homeostasis and stability in nature, the balance of nature, you might say, has to do with survival. So there tends to be within nature a a movement towards equanimity and homeostasis. Nature seeks equilibrium in its natural processes. It's, It's really a natural thing to do. Therefore, it seems to me a natural thing for human beings to want to seek equilibrium, equanimity, and peace. I'm showing here the, the in the uh, graphic, uh, this is the Taurus structure. And, uh, you know, some of you may be familiar with this and have seen it in other contexts. Um, what strikes me about the Taurus structure, it, it is to me a structure of equanimity and a balance and again it comes from nature really uh many many things in nature uh, physical shapes in nature uh physical realities in nature really reflect the torus structure uh the earth earth's magnetic field would be one example uh but there are numerous examples the human body is another example uh you know things in nature like the apple would reflect uh, such a thing or fruits in general. And you have this torus structure that exists everywhere. Really. It's an amazing thing. And it really is a emblem and a reality that's, that reflects uh, again in nature, uh, a tendency to want to seek balance and equilibrium, stasis and peace. So um, to me, Again, um, equanimity, equilibrium, peace, all these things are evoked and sought by nature itself. And therefore, we as part of the natural world, it would seem to to make sense that human beings should want to seek equanimity and peace. Let's talk a little bit about the contents or uh, levels of equanimity. What are the different levels of equanimity and how are they reflected in our lives so by noticing and becoming mindful of equanimity we first you know should notice the content of the experience uh, you notice you know what is present what is what is happening in the world and you pay attention to it and you pay attention to it and you expand your window of tolerance you expand the spaciousness of what you might say you tolerate within your field of awareness, the content of your experience. Uh, we've talked a lot before in the mindfulness meditation class about not getting triggered. Well, mindfulness has a lot to do with not getting triggered by the content of experience based upon um, things that are triggering you a, on an emotional level, or from the level of thoughts, or so even from a le- level of bodily sensations. So mindfulness gives you a spaciousness to, to really embrace the content of experience in a more tolerant way. You also know the process of experience. The process of experience that tells us and shows us that everything is impermanent. Nothing lasts. It moves from one point to the next. This, again, teaches us tolerance. It teaches us to accept Uh, things as they are and that they will change and then not to get upset or triggered by them changing. Again, we can reach a state of equanimity and peace in terms of observing the process of experience as it flows through us. Um, Nothing really can be repeated. Every every experience is fresh and new. I mean, you may think it's repeated, but really that's just an idea. No experience is repeated at all. They're all unique and different. But each experience is without substance. It really doesn't have any tangible substance when you think about it. It just passes through your consciousness, sort of like wind through the trees, or clouds through the sky. And What we want to do with all this mindfulness, uh, in terms of the levels of equanimity, is really to, to come to recognize the knower. You know, what is the consciousness that's reflecting, or observing, or mindfully being aware, of the content of experience and the process of experience. Uh, Who is the knower? What is the knower? And contemplating this uh, in mindfulness, we really start to feel this sense of presence, the sense of presence of of an observer or a witness that sort of has taken a step back from the content and process of experience. And and views it all, you might say, equally. Um, Ideally, you know, I'm not saying that that's going to happen tomorrow, but ideally over time you become more, you have more equanimity in terms of your reaction to the world. You have more peace. You you you, you don't look at things in such a way that you become triggered by good things or bad things or things that you're attached to or, or trying to avoid. So you become to really know the knower and that there's something in you that's ever-present as the knower. Now some of the enemies of equanimity, of what we just talked about really, would be indifference, passivity and attachment. Now indifference um, means that, you know, we sometimes mistake peacefulness for indifference. Indifference means really you don't care. I mean, you're you're sort of numb. But um, equanimity and peace does not mean that you're indifferent. As a matter of fact, it opens you up to feel more beauty in life. It opens you up to be more sensitive to the world, really, and to the people around you. Passivity is another sort of misinterpretation of what peaceful people are. They're passive. They don't react. They just kind of accept things the way they are, and they, you know, know, stand up for themselves and all that. That really has nothing to do with peace and equanimity, because the peaceful person at times will need to stand up for what they believe in. That's part of being mindful to notice, you know, when there is some kind of injustice and to stand up for it, that's part of being mindful. So pe- peaceful people are not necessarily passive people. They may not always speak up immediately. They may sometimes be quiet in the ones sitting back and observing, but at the right time, at the right moment, Um, people with equanimity and who are holding peace will speak up uh, at the right time, but only when it's helpful and only when it's necessary. Uh, Attachment can also be an enemy of equanimity, uh, meaning that you become attached to the idea that, for example, you can fix people, uh, that only if this will change, then uh, everything will be great. If only Bob will do this, then everything will be wonderful. If only Sally will do this, my life will improve. But um, you know, you cannot be peaceful for people. You cannot fix people. You can't be peaceful for them. All you can do is be peaceful for yourself and hope that that has sort of a causal effect on other people. It's a cause-and-effect situation. You can, have a, you can be a beneficial cause that has an effect and an impact on other people simply by being peaceful yourself. This um, uh, particular graphic shows the dimensions of equanimity to consider, in terms of your mindfulness practice. These are, you might say, qualities or dimensions of equanimity. And as you become mindfully aware of, um, you know, equanimity of the of your own need for equanimity and peace, these sort of these dimensions really come into play and there's something to be aware of and to consider first it's vastness Uh, peace is vast like the sky Uh, peace embraces it does not exclude it it holds in itself everything in a way like the sky the sky is not judging uh, the, the people within it it is not judging the clouds that pass through it it is simply being an observer and witnessing these things pass through. But again, as human beings, uh, we are in the world, and there are things happening that are always not so great, and we need to be able to stand up for that. So, so vastness doesn't mean again indifference. There's a sense of ease to equanimity that um, you know that it's not forced. You can rest in ease, and that um, you can be you know calm and relaxed and be in a state of what the uh, buddhists would call calm abiding and you can rest in that and uh, understanding that things are created and they disappear they're impermanent you can have a sense of ease with with life Um, you can also see that equanimity uh, evokes timelessness it is not in the future it is not in the past it is right here it is right now peace calm ease, vastness, it's all right here, in the present moment, right now. These are things to consider when considering peace and equanimity. It's also mysterious, we really don't know um, what it is, we can't grasp it, we can't hold on to it and say, this is peace. We can't hold it up in front of a mirror and say, look at this, this is peace. Uh, In equanimity, this is not the way it works, It's, it's something that's ungraspable, it's a state, you might say. It's a sense, but it isn't really anything per se. It's mysterious. It's it's the vast deep. It's like the ocean. It's like the sky. It's like the ocean. It's the vast deep. It's the context through which things occur. Peace. So um, again, getting back to homeostasis in nature, uh, the homeostasis in nature, you might say, the ultimate torus structure that holds everything. The magnetic field of the earth, you might say, or the torus structure of the solar system or of the universe itself or the galaxies. All of this is holding everything within its equanimity, within its balance. When you look out into the sky and you see the objects in the sky, there is a tremendous sense of equanimity, balance and peace. Um, It's usually not disrupted. It's usually very, very stable. So thank you for listening to this talk about equanimity and uh, I look forward to giving more talks soon until then thank you